Well, Karen and I are very happy to be here back in Southern California. People where we live do not believe me when I tell them stories of Southern California. It snowed on the Wednesday before we left. It's supposed to snow again Tuesday. It's cold. All their fields, nothing has been even plowed, let alone planted. The strawberries you get there are absolutely pathetic. <laughs> They're from Florida. Most of them are still white and not any red on them at all. If it has any red, it's pretty much rotted. You know, that's what you buy in the stores, and they think that's strawberries. They don't know what it's like to go get strawberries that you just pick that day and eat them that day. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, Gary brought oranges, and we had fresh squeezed orange juice from oranges that he stole, I mean, that he picked <laughs> that morning. And that is just no, they, they don't understand any of those kind of things. There's so many normal things in life that they don't have in Ohio. Things like in and out you know, just normal things, Wood Ranch. You know, just normal things you would expect to have, they don't have in Ohio. And they, when we tell them these things, they don't even know that it's true, that that could actually exist. So we enjoy being back here, enjoy seeing Gary and Cindy again, appreciate Joe and Debbie taking care of us at their house. She's had strawberries there every day. She didn't even know how much we wanted strawberries, and she had strawberries there every day, and we really do appreciate that. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be in a church taking the time to talk about missions. A church that's taking the time to say, hey, we need to be a part of God's plan to reach the world. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is God's goal to reach everybody on the planet. And I've had a good time talking with Gary and, and Cindy and, and Joe and Debbie about some of the outreaches that this church has to reach the people in this area with the Boomer Night, with Taco Tuesday, being involved in the community and community activities, you're saying it is our job to go outside of these doors and to reach people with the gospel. But there's another part of that, and that is it's also God's heart to reach everybody on the planet. Aren't you glad to know that? Aren't you glad to know that it is God's heart to reach everybody on the planet? And so when God put the church together, remember, no man put the church together. God did. And the only way to operate a church is by what the Word of God has to say. So we read a verse like this and we say, it is God's heart to reach everybody on the planet. That's God's heart. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So while we are to go out and reach everyone we can in our surrounding area, we also need to be a part of God's plan to reach the entire world with the area. God calls every one of us to reach our neighbors, but then God reaches down to some and he calls them to leave where they are and to go to a different place and take the gospel in a lot of times to places that have never heard the gospel before. And we call those people missionaries. God gives them a special call to go and to take the gospel somewhere. But what we don't realize a lot of times is, is that when God calls somebody to go, He doesn't just call them alone. He calls the rest of us to help that missionary. So when that missionary goes, it's not just one person that's going out by themselves. It's a lot of people that go with them. We know when God called Paul to be a missionary, he went. But when you take a closer look at what the way God used Paul, he called a lot of people to go with Paul and be a help to Paul. 
Here's where God called Paul in Acts 13 too. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work of the ministry, for the work whereunto I have called them. So when Paul was called, he was called with somebody else. He was called with Barnabas. So now we don't just have one person that's going. He wasn't called by himself. He was called with Barnabas to go. So now we have two people that's going. Now, for most of us, we know Paul's name. And some of us, we've been around a while, we know Barnabas' name. But you see, when he called him, he called him with somebody else. But that wasn't the only person that traveled with Paul. I went through studying the New Testament to see how many people actually traveled with Paul. And it's confusing and it's difficult to know if this person traveled with him or that person did. But to the best of my ability, I found out that there were 15 people that at different times traveled with Paul as he took the gospel around the world. Some of the names we know, some of the names aren't quite as familiar to us, but some of the names and stories are familiar and some are not. So we don't know all of them, but we know that 15 went. You know people like Barnabas that we just read. Some of you know Silas. You remember that name, Silas? Some of you remember Timothy. Some of you remember John Mark. But a lot of us don't remember Secundus. Now, Secundus is just a name in the Bible, kind of lost to history. But in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 4, he's, he's a group of seven people who traveled with Paul. So we don't know exactly how many people traveled with Paul, but I want to get you the idea that when Paul was traveling... He had people that were with him. He had people that were helping him and going along with him. Then you add to this group the people that were his co-workers. These are people that were different times were his fellow prisoners, people who supported him, and people who ministered to Paul. And I read the names in this group, and there's at least 19 people in this group that were people that were his co-workers or fellow prisoners or something, but somebody that came along at a specific time to help people. And again, some of these people you recognize and some you may not. One is Epaphroditus, and we're going to talk about Epaphroditus today. Lydia was one of these. Anisiphorus is another one that we would probably know. But most of us don't know Urbane. There's a guy named Urbane. He was one of the helpers in Christ that Paul mentions in Romans 16.9. So there's another group of people that were part of Paul's ministry to do what he did. Then there were the churches that financially supported Paul. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 11.8 says, he's kind of chiding the people in Corinth here, but he says, I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. So Paul was saying, other churches are supporting me financially so that I can come and start this church in Corinth and minister to you. I haven't taken any wages of you, but these, all these other churches are supporting us. And that's where we get the idea that churches support missionaries. We didn't make it up. That's what Paul did. God called Paul to be a missionary. And churches financially supported Paul. So now we have a group of churches that are supporting Paul. One of them was the church in Philippi. Acts chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16 says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sit once and again to my necessity. Church of Philippi adopted Paul as their missionary. So here's that next layer of people. We have Paul. Then we have the people who traveled with Paul. Then we have the people who came along and ministered to Paul at different times. And then we had this group of churches. Again, we don't know how many churches there were that supported him, but is a group of churches supporting him. Are you getting the idea of it? the number of people that it takes to support, truly support, correctly support a missionary who's doing something? Now, added to that list are the people who prayed for Paul. Paul prayed 
I mean, Paul requested at least five times in the New Testament for people to pray for him. I'm fully convinced that everywhere Paul went, he said, please pray for me. One of the examples is 1 Thessalonians 5.25, where he just says, brethren, pray for us. So now we have Paul, this missionary that all of us know, but we have the group of people who traveled with Paul. Then we have the group of people who ministered to Paul in different ways at different times. Then we have the churches who supported Paul. And now we have all these prayer warriors. Everywhere he went, he asked people to pray. No clue how many people he had praying for him, but he got as many people as he could to pray for him. Are you getting the idea of how many people it takes to really, truly support a missionary? That's why all of us need to be involved in reaching the world. We need to be involved in reaching the world surrounding us, but we all need to be involved in our missionaries in every way that we possibly can. One missionary required a lot of help from a lot of people that God called him to do. He did a lot. As I studied Paul's life, I found at least 15 churches that he either started or visited or wrote a letter to or encouraged them in some way. That he had at least 15 churches and we know that everything wasn't written down and there's probably more than that. So he accomplished a lot. He got a lot done. But did you see how many People were behind him, helping him get that job done. Our missionaries, the missionaries that your church supports, needs the same group of people behind them, helping them, praying for them, giving to them, ministering to them, just like Paul did. There's no way in the world Paul accomplishes all he accomplished if he's out there by himself. There's no way in the world. It took massive amount of people behind him. People like Epaphroditus. I really want to direct your attention to Epaphroditus this morning. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 to really understand this. But I want you to know that you can be a blessing to all the missionaries your church supports by being willing to help them in the five ways that Epaphroditus has mentioned helping Paul. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul reveals five ways that Epaphroditus helped him. Let me read this to you. Philippians 2, verse 25 through 30. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, that he, he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but, also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore more carefully, that ye may see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. These verses gives us five ways that he helped him. The first way is, be willing to be a brother. If you want to be a blessing to a missionary, be willing to be a brother. Now in these verses he called him, my brother. Now, we know he was a brother, first of all, that he was a brother in Christ. He was a fellow believer. But you notice he didn't just say, he is a brother. He said, he is my brother. That talks about friendships. That talks about somebody who cares about somebody, who, is, who has taken the time to get to know this person. There's a camaraderie that's there. There's a, fr a shared friendship that's there. So they, they had a bond together. Bonds are developed with missionaries by getting to know them. One of the ways you can really help your missionaries is to get 
to know them. You get to know them by reading their letters, by praying for them, and by just getting to know them when they show up at church. Take the time and go talk to those missionaries that you can develop a bond with that missionaries. Being a brother takes time. It takes time to get to know missionaries, and that's a sacrifice on your part. But without people like you, remember, they're not going to accomplish what they want to accomplish. It's one thing to read something about somebody. It's another thing to really know the person that you read about. Now, this didn't happen. I'm making all this up, so don't, don't think you came in late and missed something. But if your pastor stood up here today and he said, I come to you this morning with a heavy heart. In, in Ecuador, there was a bus that went off a cliff and about 50 people died. We need to pray for those people. I mean, that would touch your heart a little bit, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd say, I feel sorry for those people that died. If your pastor had come in here and he said, I come to you with a heavy heart today. Yesterday, one of the families in our church, the Smiths, were involved in an accident and the whole Smith family were killed. And they had been in this church last Sunday. Would that impact you differently? Because you know them. You, you, have, you have bonded with them. And, and it, would, it, would, it, would, it would totally change this church service if one of the families in this church had been killed in a, in a wreck yesterday. Why? Because you know them. And when you read a missionary letter and you don't know that missionary, it doesn't mean much to you. I mean, I loved seeing Brian Reed. I, Brian Reed and I are really good friends. And if you put Brian Reed on that screen, I, you have my attention that quick. You know why? I know Brian Weed. And I want to know what he's doing, and I want to know his struggles, and I want to know how to help him. Isn't that the way it is with you? When you know somebody, so one of the ways you can help your missionaries is to get to know them so that you have that bond with them, and you can say, oh, that's Brian Weed. I went out to lunch with Brian Weed. Brian Weed was in our church, and I talked to him for five minutes when it was over. I know that person. Bond with your missionaries. Second way we can help them is to be willing to labor. Being willing to labor or being willing to work. He said, Epaphroditus was a companion in labor. Can I tell you something? Ministry is work. Now, there could be somebody here that's never been in church before, and this is your first time ever in church. Let me tell you something, okay? Pastors don't just work from 10 to 11 on Sunday morning. Okay, just so you know that. I've had people ask me that question. When I was a youth director, they, they say to me, what do you do the rest of the week? I know you show up at church on Sunday morning, but what, do you, what else do you do? Ministry is labor. And Paul was so happy that Epaphroditus had come because he was a fellow laborer. There are people who come to churches and sit and do nothing. And there are people that come to churches and sit and say, where can I help? How can I be a blessing? And he was so glad that he was a fellow laborer. Paul identified Epaphroditus as a person who was busy working to help him reach more people with the gospel. Now, in all honesty, Americans are a people known for avoiding hard work at all costs. Okay, that's your average American. When the lottery gets big, People buy lottery tickets. Why do people buy lottery tickets? So I'll never have to work again. We do everything we can to not have to work. We want people to invent stuff so whatever is hard now won't ever be hard again. Why doesn't somebody invent something so that I don't have to do this kind of hard work? Americans' mantra is, never run when you can walk, never walk when you can ride, never stand when you can sit, and never sit in a regular chair when you can lean back in a lazy boy chair. 
That's our nature. Okay, we want the we want the best seat on the airplane. You know, we want we want the church to get rid of the pews and put in relaxed uh, chairs that lean back with cup holders in them. You know, that's who we are. But ministry is work, and it takes people willing to say, "I'm willing to give up of my time and my energy for the cause of Christ." Let's be like Epaphroditus and work hard for our missionaries. There's always a lot more that a church would like to do in every single thing a church does. Because it's so critical what we do. What is this church doing? It's giving the news of eternal life in heaven. And because we're giving out that news, we want to give it out every way we can. We want to have clean buildings. We want to have our lawns taken care of. So when people come, they come to a nice place. That takes work to do that kind of stuff. People want ministries in the church. and takes people willing to volunteer to be in ministries. And missions takes the same thing. For a church to have a dynamic missions program, it takes people in the church who are willing to say, how can I help and be a blessing when we have missionaries or when we have something going on mission-wise? The bottom line is a church can only do what it has the volunteers to do. Have you noticed that? If somebody doesn't step up and volunteer, that much gets done. It takes people saying, you can count on me. And Paul said of Epaphroditus, I can count on them. And we can be a blessing to our missionaries by volunteering to be a laborer in any way that the church needs for us to be a blessing to our missionaries. Third way is be willing to be a soldier. Paul said Epaphroditus was a fellow soldier. Do you recognize that we are in spiritual warfare? We have a real enemy who is attacking us, who wants to destroy us. He, He said, he's my fellow soldier. Ministry is rough because Satan is fighting us. We are not just attacked by flesh and blood, that's people, but we are being constantly hindered and discouraged by the rulers of darkness. We are in a spiritual battle. And he says, he's a soldier. You know, when people get in spiritual battles, a lot of times we just quit. We just walk away because we don't like spiritual battles. We don't like those fights sometimes, but we're in that spiritual battle. And to be really in that spiritual battle, we cannot neglect the spiritual disciplines so that we keep our life ready to serve. Spiritual disciplines of church membership and Bible reading and prayer. And say, I want to make sure that I'm ready to be that soldier and stand beside him. Because if we don't have all of our armor on, Satan's going to knock us out, isn't he? So we need to be that soldier. The fourth way that we can be a blessing is be willing to be a messenger. Paul said of Epaphroditus, he was a messenger. He was actually the church in Philippi's messenger to Paul. Epaphroditus was sent by the church at Philippi to bring him an offering that he desperately needed. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 18 says, But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. This church knew that Paul was in jail. And they said, we have got to put some stuff together to take to Paul to help him while he's in jail. In those days, if you're in jail, nobody takes care of you. Other people have to send you money and things for food and clothes and all that kind of stuff. None of that was provided. So they knew that he needed help. And so the verse said that Paphroditus, they sent Paphroditus with the things. Now, we don't know exactly what the things are, but I'm sure it included money. It probably included clothes. It just included whatever they had that they thought would be a help to Paul in prison. I'm sure they sent some strawberries, some oranges just picked that morning. I'm sure they did that to help him. 
But they, whatever they had, they gave to him. You only send stuff with people you trust, right? Epaphroditus was a messenger because he could be trusted with the things from the church at Philippi. There were people that gave him money. And however much money they gave him, they would trust him to take all of that money and give it to Paul. If they gave him clothes, they knew that he wasn't going to say, oh, I'll take this, I'll take this, oh, Paul can have that. That's kind of boring. They knew that whatever they gave him was going to get to him. He was trustworthy as a messenger. Our missionaries are dependent on us being God's faithful messenger, meaning that God is giving us things that he's really giving us to give to missions. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God wants us to be faithful stewards. God wants to entrust to us a lot. And one of the things God wants to entrust to us is our finances. And God wants us to look at our finances, just like your pastor preached about tithing, and he wants us to give 10% back to him. But he also wants to give us extra that we can give to missionaries. And a lot of times that's a sacrifice on our part. I'm fully convinced that the average American doesn't know what true sacrifice really is because very few of us have ever sacrificed, meaning we've given, and because we've given so much, we've had to actually do without something. But God gives us things, and he says, I want to be able to entrust you with money and other things that you are going to give to missionaries. Can God trust you enough to give you money that you say, I'm going to dedicate that to missions around the world. I'm going to dedicate that to our faith promise offering. And you know what? The amount doesn't matter what you give. What matters is that you prayed and asked God what he wants you to give. That's what matters. I was on the mission field one time in Mexico, and we flew down to uh, Mexico City, drove a car to Cornavaca, took a little tiny plane from Cornavaca to Talapa. And in Talapa, we backpacked for three days into the hills, preaching to different tribes of Indians that were in, south, in southern Mexico. And we got to a place, that, and I was preaching through an interpreter, but we got to a place called Mistaco, and he told me, okay, you're preaching tonight. And it was a big Mistaco, let me tell you, <laughs> because they did not understand Spanish. I preached in English. The missionary translated to Spanish, and another person translated the Spanish into Mistaco. There was no light in the building. It was just a hut that they had built. They didn't have electricity there at all. And I mean, I was, I, I didn't know what to do. It took the translation so long. There was no light, no notes to read, no anything. And my brain frizzled. And at one point, I said to the missionary, Lyle, I'm confused. I don't know what I said or what I'm supposed to say next. And he said, I don't either. Started another message, so I did. <laughs> we got done. I noticed over in the corner of that building was a lantern. I said, Lyle, why didn't we use that lantern? He said, we didn't have the fuel. I said, what would it have cost to fuel that lantern? I said, well, if we had a dollar... We could have fueled that lantern for a month. I said, why didn't you tell me? I'd have given you the dollar. He just said, I wanted you to see what the mission field is like when the rich Americans aren't around. So one dollar would have meant the difference in a lighted service where a guy could follow his notes and they know that kind of stuff and just, just talk extemporaneously. It means a big difference on the mission field. So it's not the amount. God uses whatever we give and uses it on the mission field. So it's just saying, Lord, what... You've entrusted me with some finances. What do you want me to do with what you've entrusted me? Then the fifth way is be willing to be a minister. Epaphroditus was Paul's minister. 
Now, the word used here for minister here is the word that we get liturgy from, the word liturgy. The word is used for a minister, a sacred priestly religious service. That's what it came to mean, sacred religious priestly service. The common secular use of that day, however, was referred to a person who at their own time, their own effort, their own expense, did great civic duties. It was somebody who looked at a town and said, we're under attack, we need to to protect this town. And with their own finances, they would build things to protect the town. Or to fund something the town needed. This town needs a library, I'm going to fund a library. Or to construct a building that their town needed. That's That's what it was in that day. And it came to mean priestly religious service over time. This word is fitting for Epaphroditus, who at great personal expense left his home, his family, his friends, and job, and whatever else, literally putting his own life at risk, because we read you the verses that he was sick almost to die, to be a blessing to Paul. He says, at my own expense, I'm going to leave Philippi and go and take this offering to Paul and be a blessing to him. And you know, missionaries are in as much need of ministry as anybody else. They're as much need of ministry encouragement as anybody else. Do you know that missionaries are pretty much just real people? They're not superhumans. I'm sorry to deflate Gary's ego, but Gary is not perfect. Right, Cindy? (laughs) She says, I'm not saying a word. We're just normal people, and we need preaching and teaching and encouragement just like anybody else does. And so there was a group of people like Epaphroditus that came along and were that blessing to Paul. God brought people to Paul for a short amount of time to spiritually minister to him, and he's doing the same with our missionaries today, people that minister to missionaries. And that's where I really started getting into missionary work myself, is learning the areas that missionaries needed some extra ministry and extra care in. And so my wife and I, Felt a burden to really begin helping missionaries. And so we started putting things together to be a blessing and a help to missionaries. One of the things that we did was we put together a missionary communication workshop. And we know that some missionaries would go to churches and have a really difficult time really communicating their passion to that church. And so we put this workshop together. So what's in here would come out here. Do you have that problem sometimes that what's in here you can't really get out of your mouth the way you want it to come out? And so we try to help missionaries take the passion that's in their heart for what God has called them to. At that missionary communication workshop, we help teach that to him. And I went through your prayer cards that you have back in, in your lobby back there of some missionary youth support that have been to our workshop. The Gonchalias to Romania have been there. Luke, who's in the Philippines, has been there. The Alvarez family has been to our workshop. The Weed family, the Weed family are our coaches, one of our coaches at our workshop. Um, James and Lori Bradley that you support has been to our workshop. And Don and Kathy Mingo has been to our workshop. And so these missionaries, we try to do our best to help them to be able to communicate better what God has put in their hearts. And it's always been our goal to make sure that when they come to this workshop, they pay no money for that workshop. We do everything cost-free. We go out and we raise the money so the missionaries can come to this workshop absolutely free. Since I've, 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 I've left Ventura Baptist Church and then worked at the mission office at Springfield for a while, and now Karen and I are out on our own, we've now developed a financial coaching class because a lot of missionaries struggle with their finances like everybody else does. And they don't really have the tools to, put their, to, to, to know how to manage their money well. So I've written a course for missionaries, and I'll be teaching this course at uh, Baptist Bible Fellowship in their candidate, uh, 
candidate school, to new missionaries that are coming in, as well as taking, as well as taking veteran missionaries. And we're filming the course right now. So it's going to be on the internet. So wherever they are in the world, they can take this course. And we've already been a blessing and a help to missionaries with this. I, I went down to, uh, some of you know, Financial Peace University, and you know Dave Ramsey, and they have something called a Master Financial Coach. And I took the course, a five-month course that they put out, so I would be a Master Financial Course with Dave Ramsey, so that I would learn all the tools that, that anybody needs, but I, I've made it specific to missionaries to help them. And again, we offer this all to them at no cost, and we raise all the funds so that we can make sure to take care of these missionaries. So God has allowed us to do what Epaphroditus was doing for Paul. As Epaphroditus came alongside Paul, we come alongside missionaries for a short term of time to be a blessing and a help to, to him with a specific need they have at that particular time. Paul knew how much he needed all the people that were involved in helping him. Paul knew that he could not do this by himself and he knew he, he had needs. We know this because of how he thanked the people that came alongside him and helped him. We've kind of focused on Epaphroditus today. There were others that did the same thing for Paul. We focused on Epaphroditus. But as he's writing the church in Philippi, he's sending Epaphroditus back. And he says, Epaphroditus was a good messenger. He brought that offering that, that you sent. I got everything you sent. He said, he was my brother. He was my fellow laborer. He was a soldier. He did all this kind of stuff. And then listen to what he said to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. That's a phrase that says, would you honor him? Would you honor him for what he did for us? So he said, this is a big deal what he did. In Philippians, Paul said he abounded because one church made it their responsibility to take care of him. One church made it their responsibility to take care of him. I want you to look again at this group of people that stood behind Paul. Will you be one of those people that stands behind your missionaries? Will you be one of those people that was in Paul's group? Remember I told you some of the names of the people you recognized immediately? And I gave you some names you'd never heard of before. You may be a person that your missionary doesn't even know your name, but you faithfully pray for them every single week. They don't know who you are, but when they came to your church, you did some behind-the-scenes work so that everything be ready for them because you were engaged and involved. You're one of those people that said, yes, I'm going to sacrificially give to missions so that our church can support this missionary to keep them on the field and to keep them doing that job. Will you be one of those people that stand behind the missionaries in your church that you have? Can God count on you to bond with your missionaries, labor with your missionaries, engage in spiritual warfare with your ministry, be trustworthy with everything God gives you that he wants you to give to them, and be ready to minister to a missionary any way that you can? Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this account of what Epaphroditus did for Paul. Thank you for telling us all the people that stood behind Paul. Yes, Paul accomplished a lot, but there was a lot of people that stood with him. And our missionaries are just the same. They need us to stand with them. They need us to bond with them. They need us to give to them. They need us to pray for them. They need us to meet their spiritual needs. And I pray that as you call upon us, that we'll do what you tell us to do, that we'll see our missionaries 
accomplish the great things Paul accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen.